This is The Pool. I'm Rain Coleman, your host, and this is episode 29. What's up, y'all, and welcome back for another installment of The Pool. Uh, watch out, might, might be on a regular schedule. Might be on a regular schedule. <laughs> Thank you all for joining me again for another uh, fantabulous evening of comics talk. Uh, I'm Rain Coleman. Like I said, please use that hashtag CBN pod or the pool CBN when you're listening to this episode. How have y'all been, man? You know, shout out to uh, everyone from Earth 295. We are in this thing. <laughs> okay, so we back again for another episode of The Pool. It's been a nice, hefty week between the last episode. Uh, comics community, how y'all doing? How y'all feeling? This is a check-in with y'all. What is going on? How are we feeling? Shit is a little different. Uh, so there was no... Uh, new comic book day last week and there won't be one this week or whenever this show comes out if you're listening to another day is out there won't be one this week so we're just kind of kind of dealing um yeah i'm good i'm good i've been reading a few books taking my time getting caught up uh fyi i have not read the the books that i mentioned last week because of course why would i i wouldn't be me if i read them on time <laughs> uh but no i'm um i'm getting caught up on some books i'm doing a bit of writing myself uh i have a, a project in the works and speaking of projects i was listening to a few episodes of the pool from the past and the youtube cbn carefree black nerd youtube of it all has still been on my radar it's been something i've been slowly trying to work on you guys let me know if that's something you'd even be interested in and if so you know just drop a little line let me know what, what you'd like to see should it be just a podcast form visually uh should it be a vlog should it be a series or what because i have ideas of what i would like to do with it but you guys let me know what you would like as far as content because i wanted to be putting stuff up and you know you get two or three views <laughs> And like, we ain't fucking with this shit. No. <laughs> um, yeah, okay. So, um, jumping right into it. Of course, shout out to BYNK Radio Fam, Government Name, Social Introvert, uh, Carefree Black Nerd. <laughs> um, also, the bloggers over there on the BYNK Radio site. Uh, just a wonderful collection of people, man. Just, it gets no better. So, check them out. Um, John Effect, John Effect Podcast, that's always a great show to have in rotation, phenomenal, stellar content from such an amazing, esteemed brother in podcasting, and uh, just people out here, you know, making it do what it do. Like I said before, if you guys have started a podcast, started a YouTube channel, anything creative, or just, hell, even another job, let me know. I'd like to, you know, listen to some podcasts, watch some new videos, because I'm going to tell you like this. Right now, my YouTube algorithm is all types of, like, everywhere. I watch the tiny house videos. I watch the Dow repaints. I watch the, uh, what is it, the car detailing things. I watch comic book, like, creator news. I watch comic book enthusiast reviews. I, wa I watch, like, a lot of stuff. Then, don't even get me started on the vlogs that I watch. And uh, then, like, the... Uh, just it's a bunch of you know i don't i don't even know what i'm getting when i log on to youtube <laughs> so just let's add y'all stuff into the mix as well so uh there's that so i with the quarantine thing going on and with me having just maybe a little bit more free time or a little bit more time to focus on things i started this hashtag cbn fight and it's not anything that is it's not i'm reinventing the wheel like this something that's already been done but i've decided like every day i want to post like some type of versus like who versus who i know the first one was jubilee of uh marvel comics versus vixen of dc comics and <laughs> i feel like i low-key got dragged for even pairing them up together there was a lot of why the fuck is jubilee here when you think that motherfucker she ain't doing nothing but i'm like you know, I think Jubilee at her most powerful, because I put them both at most powerful, fighting against each other one-on-one -on -one in like a mall in Southern California. I feel like 
Jubilee could give Vixen a little bit of run. You know, I mean, she might not win, but she can give her a run for her money. I, I could be wrong. <laughs> the one that went up on Tuesday was Iron Man versus Steel. Iron Man of Marvel Comics versus Steel from DC Comics. So I'm going to try to do that. So check that hashtag CBN fight and weigh in. Give me your opinions. Who you think would win and why? You know, would the location help at all? Whose power set is best? And actually, I started off doing it just as a fun little thing. But with some of the responses that I've gotten, it's I'm actually learning a bit more because I thought I knew not necessarily everything, but I thought I knew a lot about Vixen. Come to find out there's a whole lot that I don't know. Uh, people were rattling off like facts and, and instances and things that have happened. So I may have to focus on Vixen on one of the upcoming Carefree Black Nerd podcasts proper. Uh, so yeah, I'm putting a check right there. Even with Steel and with Iron Man, like... Uh, Oh, who was it who mentioned it um, about Iron Man having like some weapon rotating the sun that shoots out plasma uh, Iron Man suits that were able to battle with gods. It's like, oh, okay, so y'all teaching me. So <laughs> check that hashtag CBN fight. And uh, at the time of this recording, there should only be two, maybe three actual uh, fights, quote unquote, up and uh, weigh in. Let me know what you're thinking. Uh, what else? What else we got here? Um, so we got the little YouTube thing, <laughs> the CBN fight and whatnot. Um, really, that's that's gonna be it. I'm gonna take a little break, man. Let me get some uh, Kool Aid or some water or some vodka or something, and we'll be right back after the break. Hey, have a super great day. I know this has been difficult. The move and a new stepfather. But we're gonna make a good life. What is this thing? It's called the Cosmic Staff. <laughs> the staff's not supposed to work for anyone except Starman. Starman? I was Starman's sidekick. The Justice Society of America died saving the world. Must carry the torch. This is our destiny. Yes. That's cool. Who are you? I'm Stargirl. Stargirl. New series May 19th. Stream free next day. And we are back. So, uh, diving into a little bit of what you've been watching. I guess. <laughs> so, True Blood. I know I mentioned last episode I was watching True Blood. I honestly don't even know where I am in the series. I think I'm at the end of season four, but I'll talk generally. So, I've still been enjoying True Blood. And I mentioned before about the comments that people had about, oh, it's going to get bad and blah, blah, whatever. Now, one thing I like about the series, actually, that I love about it is that no two seasons are the same. Things happen in True Blood every season that fuck up the status quo or that shake things up where there's no way for you to go back to how it was before and i really appreciate that because it could be so easy to just keep the same love triangle and the same story beats over and over and over again and i don't know i'd be interested to, to see what someone who has watched the show live as it was coming on how they feel about it versus someone like me who's sitting down and marathoning the whole series um I know the time jump, I don't know if I can't remember if I mentioned it or not last episode, but the time jump from season three to season four, I really, really enjoyed. And I think that was a very smart way to progress the story and not feel rushed or cheesy. I know Modern Family, uh, I forget what season it was, but they jumped ahead like three years, some kind of way so that Lily could be older. I don't know if that was the only reason, but that, you know, side effect, she was older. You get a different actress to play her. Well, with this, watching it like I'm doing, like every night, watching a few episodes and seeing that change, like if I didn't pay attention to the fact that I've gone from season three to season four, it was very seamless. But I watch enough TV shows and series to understand that 
even when you're coming to the end of a season, I don't even have to watch and see what episode I'm on, but I can be like, okay, it feels like we're getting to the end. That being said, I think that was a very smart way to have all this shit happen and to jump forward in time. And so I'm thinking like, if somebody watched this live, of course it will come on every year. When you got to the end of season three and you had to wait however many months to a year for season four to come out, like how how shocking would that have been because it's it's almost like you watching it live you've lived your life from the end of season three until season four began so you've actually gone through nine months or a year of living to come back and to see that we've gone ahead in a year in the show or 13 months whereas me i'm just sitting back watching it every fucking episode every night and i'm jumping from here to 13 months and i don't know i just at this point i feel like i'm rambling but i just thought that was such a very good expert way to move forward and then even to the show's credit the scenery we're dealing with the same sets we're dealing with the same locations and yet what a difference 13 months makes from season three to season four now bill compton's home I mean, the grounds and the building itself is extremely different. I love that. Uh, speaking of Bill Compton, I'm a bit on the fence with him. I still like him. I like all the characters. I mean, they, I like to rant and rave, but I do like the show. Uh, a lot of the secrets that come out, I've been annoyed by Sookie this whole fucking time. She has been getting on my nerves, bruh. But some sometimes I'm like, oh, she's making some valid points. And at this point, I'm used to seeing her and the shit that she's doing. And no matter how worked up I might get while watching it, I'm like, this is really a good show. And the fact that it's invoking this much emotion out of me like while watching it, that's pretty good too. Um, and I think like, man, the way she's giving this performance with Sookie Stackhouse, just imagine if she would have been able to give, and not that Anna Paquin is doing like a exceptional award-winning job and this ain't shitting on her either but think of what she would have been able to do with the role character if the x-men had have been treated in a way that us nerds feel like it should have been handled um i still think x-men was a pretty good series it was one of the first to usher in this new wave of comic book films but like just think of if we could have got a rogue that had more lines, more development, more, I don't know, man, just what could have been. Um, I also like Lafayette. His outfits have always bothered me, and it, it did, but then again, it didn't, because I'm like, you're in this backwoods town where, I, to me, it's convincing that these people, you know, look a little run down. They don't have a lot going on outside of the supernatural, and his style of dress would probably reflect that of somebody raised in that space standing out um it doesn't take me out of the show but a lot of times i notice it like what the hell what is lafayette wearing <laughs> and i i don't know i just and it's not even just him really uh i don't i don't really like the way anyone dresses on this show and it's i don't even think it's that it's from earlier 2000s. I think it's just the way that they wanted these people to look. Uh, then the people who do dress, you know, pretty okay, who aren't vampires like Sam and Hoyt and whatever, it's because they're wearing plain flannel shirts and jeans. <laughs> so aesthetically, that's the thing that feels more familiar to now, 2020, 2019, 2020. But whatever. All in all, I like the show. Um, I really like Tara. I'm waiting for her to become a vampire. Please don't spoil it for me, guys. I'm just convinced that she becomes a vampire um i watched true blood a few episodes back when i was a kid i never got deep into it like i am doing now but i have a few memories from when i was a kid one in particular is jessica sitting on a couch on her legs with like a white either big blouse or like a one of her boyfriend's shirts with her red hair hanging down and her talking to some man is a white guy and either it's a romantic partner or they're like having sex or she's biting him or something but it's very much a familiar not a terrifying horror thing and another image of tara with long hair not those braids but like long weave or whatever standing in the corner of her mother's house with like a orange peach colored tank top and a blue denim or just blue bomber jacket standing off in the corner with fangs now i say all this to say i have a friend 
and we watch the show together sometimes sometimes it's just me and i feel like this motherfucker is really trying to trying to get me off the scent of those two things happening um he keeps saying oh you swear she gonna be a vampire huh and i'm like man i'm doing everything in my power not to google it because i don't want to look it up but i know that this woman becomes a vampire and he's like, you've been saying that for the last four seasons, but I know I'm right. Like, there's like seven or eight seasons of True Blood. This woman becomes a vampire. You're not about to tell me that she doesn't. So, <laughs> y'all, that being said, that I, I know she become a vampire, goddamn <laughs> So I'm just waiting for that moment so I can feel vindicated because I know good and damn well Tara becomes a vampire. It's a lot of shit going on, but... At the risk of making this a whole True Blood episode, I'm going to pull back. All in all, I like the show. I'm enjoying what I'm getting, and I'm excited to get to the end. I'm really enjoying the ride, and it's been helping me a lot with my own writing. Uh, just watching TV, watching movies, uh, YouTube videos, um, indie films, major motion pictures and stuff. It's really been helping me, and thanks, True Blood. Thanks a lot. So, <laughs> another thing I've been watching is Carol and Tuesday. So, Robert Jeffries, you guys should know him. He's been on so many Carefree Black Nerd programs. Hell, uh, there's countless, <laughs> countless programs. But he mentioned this to me like last year, I think. Because uh, I've put out a call to like, what are some good animes? What are animes with black characters and people who are visibly non-white? Um... And Carol and Tuesday was wondering, he was like, yeah, the music is good. And I feel like I wrote that down and maybe added Carol and Tuesday to my list on Netflix, but never revisited it. For whatever reason, I did a few days ago, maybe a week at this time. And boy, when I tell you that show is so fucking good. The music is like, I've been looking for the soundtrack since I started watching the show. And it just gets better and better. That's this chick called GGK, who I think is like a Kalani, Erica Badu, alternative black girl. There's a dude, Piorder, 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 Don't feel like I'm going to say that right. Um, Yeah, Wanda's twin brother. She He has his name. And the voice actors versus the people who are singing for the characters, it's a bit off. Where I'm like, oh, this ain't him. But it never pulls me out of the story. Good story. Great music. Um, a lot of them songs I want to find and put them in my music library. I need to play them once you know we all are released to go back outside again. I've really, really, really been enjoying that series. I made it all the way through the first season. And I just started the second one last night. And I'm mad that this is about to be over with. Like, once I get to the end of it, I'm like, where's the rest? <laughs> like, not only is it a good, interesting story, but it's amazing music. And the artwork is freaking phenomenal. There are a few scenes in the series, you really towards the back end, where people are dancing. Man, that's some good-ass artwork. Let me tell you that. Uh, what else I've been watching? Tiger King. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to spend a lot of time on that. I watched it. I started just, you know, because a lot of my friends were watching it. And once the Carol Baskin stuff started coming up, I said, okay, well, I need to get to where they are in the series so I can know. Because it was hard to get through that first episode. Not because it was boring, but I have so much stuff that I'm watching, so much stuff that I'm writing, so many things that I have a hand in. And it was just being tired from work. I was like, man, do I really want to devote my time to this? Woo, you talking about some backwoods, ratchet, dangerous, drug, polyamorous, uh, judging. It's a, it's a shit show over there. And I'm just on like episode three. <laughs> and I think it's like five, five episodes in this limited series. Needless to say, this shit is crazy. And I'm going to leave it at that. <laughs> for real uh what else so boy bye is the last episode of carefree black nerd movie night cbn movie club that i've done i did that with cole jackson of government name and of black lightning matters fame uh cole jackson one two on twitter and if you've enjoyed that if you like low budget films if you like pretty much low budget films <laughs> chitlin circuit films there is a movie on Amazon, and I have not watched a minute, a second of this film. And I'm mentioning this here just because of the friggin' name. 
There is a movie that I plan on watching, and it is called My Side Piece Hit the Lotto. When I tell you I hollered to high heavens when I, when I saw the, um, the art for the film, and I don't think... <laughs> It registered with me what I was looking at because I kid you not, I looked at the title of the movie and I think my brain tried to change it like three or four times before I settled on the words that I was reading. Bruh, I'm watching this shit. Mama D is in this. Like, it just looks horrible. And I love me some low-budget Chitlin Circuit gorilla shot films i love it i freaking love it so <laughs> i'll check in and let you know how i'm feeling on it or shit just use the hashtag cbn movie night and check and see you know my thoughts because there's tons of threads of me ranting and raving and giving opinions on different shows and whatnot uh what else oh so this is something i want to mention to you guys star girl so um i did write a post about this on twitter twitter carefree blurred is my handle and i wanted to know star girl with all of the dc cw shows that we have out there for you dc arrowverse day ones and even people who've come along you know over the over the course of the few years star girl so a lot of people were saying yeah this makes sense because you know justice league and what a bunch of other things i can't remember at this time but they said it made sense for me while watching um crisis on infinite earth and then getting the trailer for the star girl show i was honestly disappointed now if it makes sense with the whole Arrowverse, that's fine like go with that that makes sense for y'all cool but my thing is this is another blonde-haired, blue-eyed, conventionally attractive white girl, able-bodied, cisgendered, uh, assumably heterosexual, and do we need this? Like, when I watch Supergirl, Kara, and there's like another girl, and they look so much alike, not because they all look alike, but just because by nature of their description, and... For this to be the next installment of the DCCW shows, I'm thinking, man, is this even needed? Like, you have so many other characters to play with. Why bring her out? And no shade to them, because I'm happy everybody getting a check, you're working, and whatever else. But when it comes down to, you know, the hill I die on, representation in comics and related media, it just seemed like it would have been a good idea to bring out somebody else. Um, the vixen that I recall from, I believe, um, Legends of Tomorrow was a racially ambiguous black girl with long hair and high light skin. You, there's, oh man, like I, I'm probably going to give Star Girl two or three episodes. I say three to watch and to see if this is something for me. Cause I mean, hell at this point, people of color, we already know how it is. You watch shows. We've been watching hell Seinfeld and friends are big parts of what shaped me in my humor today. Cause that's what was on TV. Mad about you. Murphy Brown, just shoot me shit like that. That being said, it would have been nice to do a different show. Hell, could there not have been a rocket show? Cause you never done that. Uh, they probably won't do static shock, but there's tons of people in the milestone universe or not. I just, even if you weren't, you were going to go with like, why not an Oracle? So you're not getting, you don't have to say this is bad girl. So you can still use it in the movies, but use Oracle, a girl who's in a wheelchair. Give me a star that is in a wheelchair. Not somebody who's playing a, a character in a wheelchair, an actual actress who is wheelchair bound who could play the role. So I just feel like there's so many other things that could have been done. But then again, like I said, I'm at this impasse where I'm not a day one Arrowverse person and I'm not knees deep into DC continuity and lore. I am familiar with both of them, but I don't have the knowledge and the education to make them cross and be like, okay, this makes sense. Um, I feel like I'm more so represent the general public who come on to uh, car cartoon, um, TV shows that they like, superhero stuff, and they're like, oh, okay, this is cool. <clears throat> um, I don't know. I just, I let me know what you guys think about the Star Girl. Like, the trailer, did you like that? Do you think that this is the, a good, logical next step? Do you think that this is 
like what's needed or do you think that maybe there could have been a different character now again i'm not shitting on it because i mean it is what it is it's the cw regardless of black white asian purple green or blue you're gonna get a conventionally attractive cast of beautiful people period that's that's what it is cw put that sheen on everything even the people who are quote-unquote overweight or not in the same um body type be it physically aesthetically or whatever it's still this cw sheen over it where everything is like i don't want to go so far as to be like oh it's plastic but it's very much handled by a particular set of people um but do you think that star girl is the logical next step do you think that this is the show that should come next like what are your thoughts I'd, I'd like to know what you guys think and i'll i'll, I'll be there and hell they could surprise me i could sit down and watch the first couple episodes and be like this is my shit but you know <laughs> we'll find out together uh so hang on tight sit back relax and kick off your shoes and relax your feet party on down to the carefree black nerd beat <laughs> just kidding uh yeah so there is a, a book called Crave. <laughs> now, Crave has been picked up by Universal Pictures. Uh, they picked up the film rights to Tracy Wolf's YA vampire novel. Now, I can never get enough of vampires. I love fucking vampire shows, movies, cartoons, comic books, action figures, all that shit. Um, now, she is a New York Times bestselling author. Now, Crave... <clears throat> I'm going to go through the uh, the description here. Or the synopsis? I don't know. Just listen. <clears throat> My whole world changed when I stepped inside the academy. Nothing is right about this place or the other students in it. Here, I am a mere mortal among gods. Or monsters. I still can't decide which of these warring factions I belong to. If I belong at all. I know... I only know the one thing that unites them is their hatred of me. Uh, why is she there then? Okay. <clears throat> then there's Jackson Vega, a vampire with deadly secrets who hasn't felt anything for a hundred years. But there's something about him that calls to me. Something broken in him that somehow fits with what's broken in me, which could spell death for us all. Because Jackson walled himself off for a reason and now someone wants to wake a sleeping monster and i'm wondering if i was brought here intentionally as the bait <laughs> <laughs> what what is this okay i said before i like low budget and trashy movies and films and whatnot this sounds like it is not for me. Um, I love young adult books. You know, some I get some. I'm like, eh. But I would definitely watch this shit. <laughs> this is fucking crazy. Okay, I can imagine a conventionally attractive, like, pretty white girl with, like, long brown hair in a nice school uniform. And she's at this academy with all these vampires. And they all want to suck her blood. And she's, like, the only human. Which, that is silly as hell. I'd have to either read the book or really devote myself to watching whatever this this uh, property turns into, be it a movie or be it a series, because I want to know, why in the fuck is she at the school when she's the only human? That's what I don't get. Uh, ain't no way. Sis, go to public school. What the hell? Um, yeah, so anyways, Tracy Wolf is a New York Times and USA Today best-selling author of not one, not two, but 64 novels <laughs> that run the gamut from young adult action adventures to new adult romance and from women's fiction to erotica. So that's cool. She's um she's put in a lot of work. I don't know the quality of her books, but I mean, hell, if she's been picked up. Kudos to her. You know, that's a check. You and your family get to eat. Now, at this time, no cast or crew have been attached to the film, but man... When I tell you this is going to be some shit, I'm, I'm looking forward to this. Like I said, I love me some comic book, uh, comic books, some vampire shit. So there was something else that I wanted to mention. Uh, there hasn't been a new comic book day. I don't know if that's going to be the new normal for us going forward. Because uh, I want to say there weren't even any digital books released this week. 
Um, again, I could be wrong. If so, please let me know. Use the hashtag ThePoolCBN. I don't want to talk out of my ass like I know what I'm talking about, but just from what I've seen online, I haven't put a whole lot of research into finding out, but I feel like I saw a post like from Marvel that said, but whatever. Um, New Mutants. Let's talk about this film. This film has been coming out for the last 36 years. This film has been coming out since before I was born. What the hell are they doing with New Mutants? Just release the, <laughs> release the Snyder Cut. No, I just think, why on earth have we not gotten this movie yet? For all the people that put time and energy into this film. Now look, I have my own hangups and issues with this film, mainly the whitewashing. But that aside, people, they acted in this film. People shot this film. People wrote this script. There were rewrites and reshoots and music edits and costumes. And there's a shit ton of people that worked on this film. Release the freaking film. Even if it's not up to par and it's bad or whatever. You know what they should do? And this is copyright carefree black nerd. I would do if I had control over the New Mutants film. I would take every single thing that we have shot. And I would turn it into an adventure story so you know those old school choose your own adventure books um actually who did this black mirror did with the bandersnatch bander Cunch, whatever i don't know but they did the the kind of choose your own adventure with the series i would do that because the way it seems it seems as if this movie has well over like 40 hours worth of footage <laughs> why not take the movie that you want to put out Put that out in theaters. Then take that, well not in theaters, but you know, release that movie and turn it into a series. So you watch the two hour movie, which would be like the season premiere or whatever, the pilot episode. And then you move around all of the reshoots and deleted footage and everything. And you make it into a, okay, rewatch the film, but go this way instead so now this thing happens like that to me that makes more sense so even if it comes out to be just like i don't know six hours worth of footage or put out the whole movie or not even do that shit just put out the first act of the film as the first episode and then chop up the rest of it and so it's now choose your own adventure so at the end we all get a different new mutants movie because at this point god damn just release the freaking movie <laughs> shit do y'all want to see this new Mutants movie or not? Let me know. Use that hashtag, ThePoolCBN. Hit me up on Twitter or comment in the comments. Are you even interested in a new Mutants movie at this point? Uh, something else I want to know. Who are you guys interested in seeing a movie on? Like pick one character, one X-Men character, mutant, even someone not a mutant, just a Marvel Universe character. Hell, even DC. Who is somebody you'd like to see a movie on? Because at this point, we all sitting at home twiddling our thumbs and and trying to keep up with ourselves and haircuts and hairstyles and grooming and shit who would you like to see a movie or a series based on let's discuss all right so uh what else we got here so there's a lot of star wars news y'all you know i'm not a star wars guy so sorry that's not really i don't know um that's not for me now there is an Alan Moore never produced uh, Gen 13 comic. Now, for those of you who know me or have been listening for long enough, you know I fucking love Generation X. My love for Generation X is like top tier love. Gen 13 is so close behind. They're not up there with Generation X, but Gen 13 was a Generation X type of comic. It was the younger heroes. It was five superheroes going on adventures and whatnot and it was such an a good and I th that's another series that i have collected and i need to actually go back because apparently there are i think two different series two or three different series of gen 13 past the first one that i collected with katherine fairchild and uh rainmaker and grudge and the other two whatever um but alan moore has produced a bunch of fucking work like up the ass for years um, but there has a, what do you say? There was a 14 pages of a never completed Gen 13 story by Alan Moore. And I think there was supposed to be a movie made of Gen 13 back in the 90s. Now, that's another series. Come on, y'all. Come on, somebody. Let me know if you remember Gen 13. Like, and if so, who was your favorite character? 
Um, yeah, this, that's, I don't know, maybe I'm just stuck in the past. <laughs> Nostalgia has really gotten a hold on me, but that's something that I was really, really interested in was um, Gen 13. So anything new about them, movie, comic, or whatever, I'm all for it. I have a few issues of a different, it's, a, it's Gen 13, a Gen 13 series, but with a whole new cast. And I was just like, oh, this is not for me. I don't want this. And I think part of it is, one, you know, being that comic book guy, this ain't like my old comic. But I I still give would give it a chance. I still would to this day. But the thing is, when I pulled those Gen 13 comics from out of the, I think it was like the dollar box, it wasn't a full run. And it wasn't any consecutive issues. So it wasn't like seven or eight, like, issues back to back like 7 8 9 10 11 12 it was like issue 3 then issue 27 then issue 52 like i didn't have a consistent where i could even like a 1 2 7 8 9 like it wasn't anywhere where i could like okay kind of figure out what's going on and so i will devote time to getting back into gen 13 and figuring out what's what and who's doing what and what the new iterations are but that that didn't help i was more upset i was very much like those dude bros getting upset. This is not my fucking Gen 13. <laughs> so, don't judge me, guys. Um, I don't know. Has anybody started their Disney Plus account? What are some things that I should be looking out for? Because I, at the time of this recording, have not even downloaded Disney. I'm sorry, that's a lie. I have not signed up for Disney Plus. It is downloaded on my phone, but I don't know. I feel like we ain't going nowhere no time soon. Like I got time. <laughs> <laughs> so shit i don't know man it's 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 a lot of stuff going on um but i think i'm gonna end it here because again i don't want this episode to be too long so i'm gonna take a break come back with the pool get your thoughts and stuff and uh catch me after the flip hi i'm scotty young and i am the writer of the upcoming strange academy it is a book about a magic school set in the Marvel Universe. We're creating a whole group of kids for this school that have their roots in what we love about the Marvel Universe, but they're gonna be brand new characters for all of us to get to know and love. So we set Strange Academy in New Orleans, uh, right there in the French Quarter, hidden in a cool courtyard. We had a place like New Orleans that has a really deep history of magic and mystery and dark arts and witchcraft and things like that. So we thought, what better place to take a bunch of kids, throw them in a school and learn about magic than a place so rooted in its history with that. Umberto Ramos is the perfect artist for this book. The thing that he brings is his absolute mastery of youthful characters. And I think readers are just gonna fall in love with every single character he draws. I'm very excited about creating this brand new cast of characters with Umberto. It's really cool to have a new student body that's really rooted in all the things we love about Marvel, whether it be Weird World or Asgard, but to have them be fresh new characters for all of us to get to know and love. Imagination, excitement, action, emotions. You're gonna laugh, you're gonna cry, you're gonna want characters to hold hands and fall in love and break up and love each other again. It's gonna be all the great things that we love about comics. All right, all right, all right. So, y'all, we back with the pool. You know. Uh, so, we're going to go over Strange Academy issue number one. This was a phenomenal book. Oh, my God. So, uh, it took me so long to get around to this book. I don't know why. I've had it here at the headquarters <laughs> for some time. Well, since it came out, but I never cracked it open. Uh, shout out to Just X Henry, another Twitter friend. He uh, had mentioned how good the book was, like, as soon as it came out, and I was dragging my feet getting around to it. It wasn't for any reason in particular. I was just, I just didn't get around to it. So, Strange Academy is, the, it's a book. <laughs> it's a book, because it's a comic book, and... I really don't know like how even to start. So pretty much this is a witch, witch school. It is a magical school in New Orleans, New Orleans. And it is, I, I want to say it was named after Dr. Strange. Cause it seems like after reading this, it was a bunch of magic users that came together and decided that they needed to start a school. I don't think anything was said that this was Dr. Strange's school. I really think, 
the strange portion of it is just like a Marvel thing where Doctor Strange is easily recognizable now as a household name. So this is something kind of that synergy or whatever. So Strange Academy, written by Scotty Young, artist Humberto Ramos, which oh, this man has a series, Crimson. Okay, so I mentioned how Generation X is my shit, Gen 13 as well. Crimson, that was the fuck, like, when I was a kid and I was drawing comics, because, you know, I have a little artistic ability, and I was writing my own comics, there are a few stories that I like, there are some that I gravitated towards, X-Men, of course, was the default, but Umberto Ramos, his artwork is fucking phenomenal, the way he draws kids in particular, and... I, I, I focus on that for a second because we all know as comic book enthusiasts and creators and consumers how certain comics can be with characters to the point where when I was a kid, kid like a little kid, and I started reading Generation X, I didn't start from the beginning because I didn't, like I was just going to the store getting books. So there are certain issues or certain appearances of the kids in Generation X that really fuck with my head because they look like full-grown adults grown-ass six foot eight men with big chest and women with huge breasts and hips and ass and everything. I'm like but things are so then when I was able to get the series together from start to finish and I got a little older and I started kind of making connections of my own I was like okay these are supposed to be 16 year olds 14 year olds why do they look like full-grown models and shit so I'll go on that little rant to say Humberto Ramos is wonderful when it comes to illustrating different body types, um, different people, uh, different ages. Because again, the kids look like kids. And I focus on the girls for a second because it's very, very easy to slip into. Well, not easy. It has been done so many times before you slip into that whole Certain artists, no matter what, you can say that this girl is 12 years old and she's still going to have a double D chest and some big ass hips and a stripper outfit on underneath her school uniform. Like, it's just, ah, but the way he draws these girls in particular, really, I just love this artist. And he's another one who is a favorite, like him and Chris Bocello, 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 I'm sure I'm saying that right, are some of my favorite artists. Um, even one of the variant covers of Strange Academy, I mean, not to say there aren't young people who have a certain body type, but man, this, I don't know, maybe it's me, so I'm, I'm just leave it at that. Uh, but continuing on with the creative team, colors by Edgar Del, Delgado, excuse me, VC's Clayton Cowles is the letterer, um, cover artist for the issue that I got, which I don't know if this is the main cover it is the uh all white with the kids in the front and the university in the back and dr voodoo and velma um zelma excuse me but either way the cover artist is was j scott campbell mm-hmm. uh jason keith and scotty young uh j scott was with jerome opinia uh umberto ramos and jean or jean francis Bellelu. i don't know if i said that right Arthur Adams and Edgar Delgado. Uh, Character Spotlight is listed as Umberto Ramos. I'm not sure what that means. I'm wondering if that means that he designed a lot of these characters on his own. Like maybe they came up with the story and he was, they were like, okay, you have full reign to bring these characters to life. Uh, Possibly, if you guys know what that means, please hit me up and let me know. Uh, The Pool CBN, what does Character Spotlight mean? Uh, We have a logo designer by Jared Fletcher, production designer Anthony Gambino. Assistant editor Danny Zach Kazim, uh, Kathleen Wisnicki as the associate di- editor, Nick Lowe as the editor, CB Sabulski as the editor in chief. Uh, Doctor Strange was created by Stanley and Steve Ditko. So, Strange Academy. I just started. Took me 50, 11 years. Shout out to Beyonce. Emma Bright, Shaylee Moonpedal, and Zelma Stanton. Bruh, the names. The names alone in this book are freaking crazy. I love it. Um, I'm really happy that Zelma is in this book. So I I followed or I collected the Doctor Strange run that began with Chris Pacello as the artist. And I don't know how long ago that was. I know I was in Michigan, so I want to say it was like four years ago. And 
I have it somewhere in one of these long boxes. I'm not going to fish it out just yet. But I remember her being introduced. And I didn't know where the hell they were going with this character. She was just a girl who was essentially interning at the Sanctum Centorium. And I just, <coughs> excuse me, I really liked her character. I ha I fell off from that series. Mainly because when Doctor Strange came out. Comic books, they do this thing that's very aggravating. Where there was a good story and then all of a sudden there was another Doctor Strange story and it being another book and it's in the same universe timeline whatever but it's another book and then it felt like there were two or three different Doctor Strange books and I don't like that now if it's two or three Spider-Man or Batman or Superman like I'm fine with that because I feel like okay I'm getting my money worth from these two or three books and i really like this character but it had went off the rails and then with adding in limited series and and not full runs and changing creative teams and that frustrates me because if like if i'm spending my money i want to know what i'm getting i would like for it to be clear as day this is dr strange title there is an additional title that's a companion title you could get it or not and be okay but hell as a comic book enthusiast i want to get them all so it that, but that really i don't like i don't like that and i could sound like <laughs> old man rain but that's just i don't like that i do not like that either way i say that to say that if there were were more developments with her i don't know about them because i fell off from that book i'll probably try to revisit it maybe via marvel unlimited because uh, that series is old enough that it should probably be on there now um hell, or even comiXology but we get Zelma. I think it was four or five years ago. So I love me an angsty teenage um, drama, superpower, school age story where there's like discovering powers and, and the powers that be and, and new shit about yourself and uh, love triangles and fights and all this other shit. So there's a story, there's a letter. That Emily Bright is writing to Doctor Strange. And it's just chronicling her journey as a magic wielder. And the art is freaking phenomenal. The story is told very well. This girl's name is Emily Bright. With that being said, I don't know if she's... I feel like she's Latina. Um, She could be white, but with Umberto doing the artwork, I don't know. And I bring it up because, of course, representation in comics and related media. I still like the character regardless, but I'm like, I don't, it's not clear to me. And maybe I'm just missing something. But she goes through, you know, a bunch of shit that happened to her. How she brought her dog back to life after it got hit by a car. Um, she talks about how she felt death. She literally felt it. She felt it coming. And she was able to push it away. Um, I think this is a very good X-Men book. In the sense that you already know, you know, the Xavier Institute and hi, you know, my name is Charles Xavier and you have a particular set of skills and, you know, that type of shit. But I'm sure it'll get that comparison a lot if it hasn't already. But I really like it. Like, I don't. I can enjoy this and not think of X-Men consistent, but I did want to mention it because that is something that kept crossed my mind. Um, she also sitting under a tree with her dog created flowers, which made a tree that she was leaning on attack her and the artwork is freaking amazing. But then Zelma comes in, saves her ass and she's like, look, magic, you can use it, but you got to pull it from somewhere. There has to be balance. And I like that through line and this is consistently i've seen this in so many different properties that deal with magic you're not just conjuring magic out of thin air there's one scene in sabrina the teenage witch with melissa joan hart that sticks out to me even in my big grown age there was a spell that she did some episode if you know let me know if not that's fine because hell i don't know she was hungry or somebody maybe harvey was hungry and she whipped up a sandwich. And this is like in the first act, first second act of the, of the episode. And it turns out 
that that sandwich that she conjured out of thin air was actually a sandwich that a homeless person had just sat down and got ready to eat and it just disappeared. And so once she learned the lesson of the episode about balance and, you know, you got to be mindful of using magic, like at the very end credits of the episode, I remember her going back, excuse me, I remember her using her magic to take herself to where that homeless person was and gave them like him a feast of like, big meats and sandwiches and shit and I, that that sticks out to me if i remember nothing else about sabrina that was it uh, which side note i feel like sabrina is just clarissa explains it all but then she became a witch but i'll leave that alone so the one thing i thought after the episode went off was if it's balanced and you take it something it always takes from somewhere else this food that you just gave to this man <laughs> who was homeless and in need of food where did you get this food from but that's neither here nor there. So, Zelma is approaching Emily's family. She's like, hey, look, she's magic. That tree tried to kill her. That tree gonna keep coming back. Magic gonna keep coming back and trying to kill her until there's nothing left to kill. And they're like, nah, fuck that. She ain't going to no magic school. My daughter ain't no character in the children's book. Miss, get the fuck out of here. Step. And so she's like, okay, that's cool. But I want you to know this is gonna happen again and again and again. So, a few weeks later... She shows up again because they're like, look, my daughter got to be safe. Take her. Um, I really like to get the parent side of the story when their kid goes off to Hogwarts or Xavier Institute or Strange Academy or whatever. It doesn't have to be a full-blown issue or, or episode, but a lot of parents in these universes have to give up their children randomly. And it's, I know it could be an emotional thing. And you set it up so you see that they have to go in order to be safe. But I would still like to see what a story is like from that person's or those parents' point of view. Because, God damn, I didn't raise my child to 13, 14 years old. And now I got to give them up? For what? Fuck that. I'm going to school, too. Better find me some parents' quarters to stay in. Just ain't taking my baby, motherfucker. So, <laughs> so, I like the little tricks that they use with magic. Like, Zelma opens up a door. From the uh, Emily Bright's family's house. And then it opens right into like this negative zone. Which is not a negative zone. What she said it was. Uh, the, we're in the western cortex of Neverish. I've never heard of Neverish. Um, but it's cool. I like it. The artwork again phenomenal. So then they go and open up another door. And they're right in the middle of Bourbon Street in New Orleans. So again. Those of you who are from New Orleans, who have been there several times, who are familiar with it, I want to know, if you're reading this book, does this seem true to New Orleans? I'll say this much. Regardless to what happens in this book, aside from me picking it up for the artwork, I would pick this book up just because they're not in fucking New York. Why does this seem like every single title in the Marvel Universe has to happen in New York? There's only been West Coast Avengers and maybe x-men in the outback that i can recall offhand where someone was not in new york and when i say new york i mean new york adjacent i know you have salem you have the massachusetts academy and generation eight like i get that but still new york adjacent so if you guys know of any other books in marvel specifically that didn't just happen in new york and i don't mean like on the moon because okay whatever but i mean like on earth where the whole book wasn't taking place in New York, right? Cause that's all they do. So I digress. Uh, I like the, I just like the magic of it all. And we get to the university or the Academy rather. And we meet wonderful Mrs. Uh, Moonpetal. What's her name? Shaylee Moonpetal. I don't know if this character had existed before, but she's a fairy. She's half fairy, half human. And that comes back later. So she's cute. It was a nice little intro. Then we meet these two uh, white guys. And they are Asgardians. They're blonde haired, blue eyed white guys. They're Eric and Alvi. And so again, to set the stage, we are taking Emily Bright to a magic academy for magic users. This has been well established in the first few pages of this book. This is for kids in magic. <sighs> You go onto the campus and you meet a half fairy, half human. You don't know she's half human yet, but a fairy. Then you meet these two magic ass guardians. So the next page, we get a giant blue girl. 
who like looks like she kind of opens up a portal in reality and steps in to the school. Eric and Alvy decide to whoop her ass. Well, attempt to. Uh, who is this? Eric says, ah, that is a frost giant. Are you seeing this, brother? Kind of hard not to see something that big and disgusting. While they're, like, getting ready to attack her. Then, my motherfucking nigga Loki walks out. And he's like, <clears throat> is that any way to treat one of your new classmates or one of my subjects? Did you forget I am the king of the frost giants? <laughs> <laughs> That's my low-key impression. But I was like, okay, to me that felt off right away because, again, we are kids at a magic academy for magic. Why would my first instinct be this frost giant is trying to kill us when my very own professor, Zelma, is standing here not reacting? Like, I, I just, uh, I get it, kids going to be kids, but that felt very wrong so Loki's like, man, get the fuck out of here with that shit. This is my student. And I really like that Loki is in this book. He's drawn oh, so well. So that happens. Then, as they're walking off, this guy who looks kind of like Ghost Rider with a pumpkin head, he pops up and he's like, what's up, motherfuckers? No, um, he says, I don't mean to interrupt King Humblebrag. And... Eric and what's his name? Alvy again get ready to attack. Well, they do attack. It's an evil dorm minion of Dormammu. We are under attack. And I was like, okay, bruh. I don't know if you're just ready for battle or what, but this is the second person at a secret magic school that you're attacking. What did they tell you before you got here? Like, I don't feel, I feel like no one even knows about this school except for the people involved in the school at this point. <sighs> really fucked me up uh and so i was like yeah i really don't like them and they are these assholes the entire time well eric more than alvy but i just i don't know man it just felt odd so <clears throat> my uncle dr brother voodoo walks up and like look it'd be unfortunate to get expelled on orientation day this man's name is doyle dormammu the demon that they just attacked <laughs> we have zoe lavu Calvin Morse and Desi. All in all, this is a good ass fucking book. I'm not even going to spoil too much. Just a lot happens. We meet the staff. We take a look at the grounds. We see some of the classrooms. We meet some of the other casts. And I think it's what, 11 or 12 students? 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11. 11. Yeah, 11 students. And we find out that, you know, they got room assignments. And one thing I do like, which I'm a spoiler, but I'm really spoiling because it's the first issue. But there's a chick named Despair. They call her Desi. She is, what is she? She is a demon from Limbo and she can see in the dark, painful, desperate side of all things at all times. So I guess I'm assuming she looks at you and she can see all your secrets, all your inner demons, all of the sadness you might carry with you. I would like to see them explore her so like an issue from her point of view like i want to see what she sees because at this point we're just seeing everybody um zoe Laveau is a new orleans uh what is it resident no native god dang and uh you know her and desi get a room assigned together and she's like man I, I see your shit. I like I, I see your secrets. And she's like, I don't know what you're talking about. She's like, it's okay. I see you, but I won't tell. It's like, you don't know what you're talking about. I don't have any secrets. She's like, look, I'll never tell. It's my burden. That's literally what I do. I see your secrets and I hold on to them. So I'm interested just from that alone to see what the hell they got going on. This black girl and this demon sharing rooms and the shit that they go get into. Uh, I do want to take a couple steps back to uh, Miss uh, Moonpetal. So she says she is... Um, half human, half fairy. Her dad was from Brooklyn, but she never knew him. Looking at her hair, I think this girl is black. I think she's half black. Now, it could be just, this is just what her hair looks like. But her hair looks like big, thick blue locks. She has pink skin and fairy wings on her back. And when she said her dad was from Brooklyn, as if there's not white people in Brooklyn, I was like, oh, her daddy from Brooklyn? Yeah, he black. But I just feel like he is. I mean, I could be wrong. 
whatever. So it's not that he walked out on them. It's that her mom as a fairy broke a rule. He wasn't supposed to mate with humans. And in order for them to be safe or whatever, he like, he had to leave the fairy world. So I'm interested to see more of that as well. Cause I'm assuming we're going to meet her dad at some point in this run. Um, so we get some of the guests, um, uh, professors, Hellstorm, Nico, Minor, Minor, Minoru, Minoru, Scarlet Witch, Magic, and Shaman. So I spoil this or talk about this part because I, I have a question and I don't know what the answer is. This Strange Academy book doesn't exist in the same world that Hickman's X-Men run does. Because for me, Scarlet Witch has been named the Pretender and Magic is a resident of Krakoa. If they're going to be guest professors at this school, are we not? Like, will they never interact? Like, what is, what is going, it, it feels, I can just accept it for what it is. That won't be a problem. But I want to know where does this story fit within the larger framework of the Marvel Universe? Is it its own pocket thing that you just pay attention to this? Because this brings up questions and concerns. But I'm going to leave it alone. One thing I do want to know, guys, who are, uh, who've read, x-men stories there is a girl and i forget her name she was in the run of x-men where i think umberto ramos may have did a cover or two maybe he did the uh, i don't know either way it's when old man logan came back and with time displaced gene gray were on a team storm was leading magic moved the school to limbo or was it kitty pride leading either way there was a mutant girl who I think turned out to be a magic user and not a mutant or part mutant, part magic user where she opened up like several portals in limbo that not even Ilyana knew about. And I remember Ilyana took her to see Dr. Strange and he, he said that she was like her power was language. Her mutant power that she could decipher language not in the way that Cypher does, but in a larger, like, incantations and just shit, whatever, MacGuffin, MacGuffin, this or that. But I wonder, is she in this book? Will she be in this book? Um, I need to go back and check out that run because I can't remember that girl's name. I just remember she was a little girl. She had to be, I'd say, eight or nine years old, long, dark hair, shoulder length, and... That's all I can recall. I'll go look at that because I need to know. Because it, it, it seems like this would be a perfect book for her. But you know how comic book companies do. They'll lose sight of characters and won't bring some in. And whatever the fuck else happens. And they get lost in the wayside. But I do hope that they utilize her. Um, yeah, so we end the book with a big battle. I'm not going to say much past that. Because I, I would like for you to pick up this book. It's very good. The artwork is amazing in itself. Uh, we see some people use their powers, uh, some commentary, and then at the very end, we get a Strange Academy application. Do you think you're worthy of one day becoming the Sorcerer Supreme, an Alkalite of the Occult, a Master of the Mystic Arts, or a local of New Orleans? Which, that was odd. Tell us what makes you a prime candidate for enrollment in Strange Academy. And it's a, it's a cute little application i'll probably fill it out and send it in because uh, at the end they want you to, they encourage you to actually send this in uh, to marvel entertainment to get it published or whatnot so that's that so this the pool um strange academy 10 out of 10 would recommend i'd like to know you guys thoughts who's reading strange academy uh the sad part is of course with the new timeline that we're living in there was no new comic book day and this issue two was supposed to come out uh, on April 1st and it did not so that's where we are man that's gonna wrap it up so thank you all for listening in use the hashtag the pool CBN when you're listening to this episode uh, CBN pod if you like I'm still uh, using that one hit me up on Twitter carefree blurred uh, all other social media carefree black nerd if you want to email me you want to uh, send a voice recording you know you got some thoughts that you want to get onto the show that's fine too. Carefreeblacknerd at gmail.com. That will work. Again, check out all of the BYNK Radio fam. Uh, definitely check out my boy John Effect Podcast. That's Mr. Salvatore. Um, well, yeah, I don't know. It's been been good week. Good week. So uh, with us not having new comic book days in the foreseeable future, 
let me know what books um, you're currently reading. You know, if you're rereading an old Batman story or Iron Man or you have a, I don't know, an indie book that you're really enjoying, let me know. Or even if it's a prose book, I'd like to know that too. Shit, use that hashtag or just tweet me and let me know what you're thinking. Or hell, leave it in the comments below. And um, man, that's it. So until next time, stay carefree, stay nerdy, stay geeky, and, you know, stay inside and wash your hands. Shit. <laughs> All right, y'all. In Strange Academy, you have something that is rare in Marvel Comics, a perfect entry point. It's the first day of school. It's the first year of a new school. It's going to be a coming-of-age story with a bunch of kind of misfit kids from all around the Marvel Universe who have a proclivity for magic and sorcery and the mystic arts. One of our lead characters is this young woman from the Midwest, Emily Bright, who has had little magical power since she was a baby. You meet Doyle Dormammu, an illegitimate son of the scariest magic villain of all time. All these characters from all over the Marvel Universe all dropped into New Orleans where this school is set. All brought to you by Scotty Young and Umberto Ramos. It's so good. This is Scotty doing something he's never done before. A team book for all intents and purposes, a school book, but he's so good at it. And this book just brings all of his strengths out to the table. I think Umberto is one of the best artists to depict kids. It's a real challenge to find that youthful nature and he's so, so good at it that I really don't know if there's a more perfect person to, to do this book. He was already the best in the business and now he's upped his game times 10. It's just unbelievable what you see on the page. It is definitely gonna be less focused on Strange. He's gonna pop in from time to time. All the magic people in the Marvel Universe are all here. You got magic of the X-Men. You got Scarlet Witch, but it's not about them. We're gonna micro-focus this on kids and what magic is and what the mystic arts are. The Marvel Universe has never had a magic school. And there's a reason why. Because it's a horrible idea in-universe. Let's teach these children how to use incredible magical powers. Doctor Strange never wanted to do that. That's why he'd always only train one person at a time. But something horrible is coming to the Marvel Universe. And if he doesn't help these kids figure out how to do what they can do, the whole world could end. It's going to be big and fun and magical and weird and exciting and all the things you want out of a Marvel comic.